Welcome to the Applied Blockchain Podcast, where blockchain technology and innovation are in the spotlight. My name is Adi Benari, and I'm the founder and CEO of Applied Blockchain, and I'll be your host as we dive into relaxed conversations with industry experts and thought leaders to get their views on what they're building, the Web3 ecosystem and its transformative impact on the modern world. Hi, John. Uh, John Woods, welcome to the Applied Blockchain Podcast. It's great to have you on as our very first guest. Thank you, Adi. I'm actually really excited to be here because you guys are at the cold front of building stuff on Algorand and you, you build uh, at Applied Blockchain. I know you guys are working on some very sophisticated applied cryptography and implementations. So I'm excited to be here uh, on the podcast with you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're proud and privileged to be working closely with, uh, with the Algorand Foundation. Um, so, John, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, let's, uh, let's get started, I think, for the, for the audience to, to learn a bit more. So maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know where you come from how you got here absolutely so yeah i'm john woods i, I come from dublin in, in ireland and um i was always uh big into computers when i was a kid um from the time when the original game boy came out i loved playing with it um of course they're video games and not computers but my love of computers kind of grew and i i grew up with like a 386 dx 40 megahertz machine running dos you know four and five and learning uh just learning how computers worked i was always big you know really into it from a personal perspective and so I did a degree in computer engineering um, in, in, in university, and that, that was cool. Then at my first job, I worked at Ericsson as, as a software developer. Ericsson's really cool, actually, because they're a telecoms company, um, and they build the kind of stuff for the, the networks, uh, the kind of radio network controllers. And it's quite sophisticated stuff. And so it was a, a steep learning curve, but really put smart people there. I kind of I, I did various things in my career, but I guess over the last decade or so, really, I've been focused on, on applied cryptography. And so it's something that got me into blockchain. It wasn't that... I didn't kind of come fresh to blockchain. I came to blockchain after, you know, uh, falling in love with elliptic curve uh, cryptography, falling in love with RSA, and and the, I just think that cryptography in general is a, it's 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 such it's a magic technology for me. And so it's like you know when I first saw the iPhone, I was like, wow, that's like an incredible technology. And so I feel the same when I look at, at, at cryptography. You know, one day I was just on Excel working in a bank um, and I started implementing my own version of like little toy RSA example with the two prime numbers that were, you know, seven and three or whatever. And um, and I just couldn't, it's just, to me, it just struck me as so amazing. You can use mathematics to hide information. You can use mathematics to verify information and indeed with digital signatures to attest to information. And so uh, it was the closest thing I'd seen to magic. Uh, and, and then there's an, an amazing sense of, of for me because i wasn't very good at mathematics when i was in school so there's an amazing sense of um excitement when you kind of figure out oh you know i can do this i can actually understand this stuff and and then yeah then i kind of then fell into blockchain because it's a natural fit because it uses all that technology um and yeah that i've been working of course on cardano um my last role i was i was the lead architect on cardano um and now uh here at the foundation i'm I'm the cto What, what was the moment what was your first your blockchain moment what was the first time you were exposed to it and, and, yeah. and you know, it kind of clicked? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, it was 2013 or so. A buddy of mine came around with a polycarbonate MacBook. Do you remember the little white MacBooks made of plastic? Um, and he had a Bitcoin node running on it. <clears throat> and Bitcoin was like uh, like nine euros or something, like he, he like nine about nine bucks. He, he, sent, he sent me like 1.6 Bitcoin uh, just as a demo that night. Um, so funny because like i never gave it back to him <laughs> but it was only worth like 15 euros at that point um but you kept it yeah i kept it actually you know what i i so he was explaining i was like but yeah dude okay you can send some message between the computers we could already do that right i mean 
I was like, whatever. And uh, he was like, no, no, you don't get it. You know, this is this is like it's peer to peer. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we have peer to peer messaging already. Like, you know, and, and he was like, yeah, but it's decentralized and there's no authority and it's secure. And, and so it took me a while to get it. Um, and then with that 1.6 Bitcoin, I actually sent it to Mt. Gox. Uh, I don't know if you remember Mt. Gox. It was an early Bitcoin exchange. Um, and so I lost it. Uh, and so I'm a creditor in Mt. Gox. So I've got like a, a little creditor thing. Um, and so of my 1.6 Bitcoins, I think I'm getting back like 0 0.1 or something like that. So yeah, okay. I mean, you could have done the same thing again with FTX this year, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm still waiting. It's been a decade since Mt. Gox collapsed. Um, and I'm still waiting for my Bitcoin. But it, what I get back will probably worth, be worth nothing. But uh, yeah, that, that's how I learned about it. And that was my first foray into playing with it. Yeah. Okay. Very, very, very cool. How about you? What was your... Uh, um, I, I met with a friend. I was working in a bank uh, in London and I met with a friend from university uh, for a coffee uh, and he was trading Bitcoins. Oh, wow. And he, so he was, a, he, was, he was a trader himself and uh, that was his perspective and I just started looking at the tech and Ethereum had just come out. Right. Uh, and I started playing around with it and that, that just blew my mind. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Actually, you know, when I was working in various banks, I also kind of did a, did a stint in banking. I worked in the Central Bank of Ireland and worked a little bit with the ECB. I remember going to, uh, on the tech side, I was a solution architect in the, in the bank, so I didn't, I wasn't on, on the finance side, but I remember going to the various developers that we had in-house. Um, mm. And it was like 2015 or so, and Ethereum was kind of becoming, like it was, I think it was like nine bucks or something at that point. Like it was like, it was like seven to nine dollars because it was after the Dow hack and it was, and, and, um, <clears throat> I remember going to some of these guys and, and, and some of them were really receptive uh, to it and they, they, they just got it straight away. And so because they were on, they were kind of fintech guys. And so lots of them took massive positions in Ethereum. So I'm a popular guy uh, at the central bank uh, because I, I helped some people understand it early. Um, so it was cool. Yep. John, where do you see, uh, you know, I, know, I know there's a lot of nonsense in our space, right? There's a lot of claims made. There's a lot of people reading a lot of things into it. Where, where, where do you see the value of the tech? Yeah, so... I agree with you. There's, you know, someone said to me a while ago, and I think it's really, uh, really funny and also quite true. Uh, crypto, and I call it, so when I say crypto, I mean cryptocurrency space, has the smartest people in the world and the dumbest people in the world. Uh, <laughs> <working> in <it>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you've got like incredible talent, like Sylvia McCauley, Chris Picard, uh, you know, Charles and the team over at Cardano, et cetera, Vitalik. And you've also got uh, the, the 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 hype moon boys who who are just and all the scams and the rug pulls. So, I'd, put, I'd probably add to that. You've got the most naive people coupled with the most sly and sophisticated. Absolutely, yeah, good point. It's actually completely true, um, and it's heartbreaking. You know, like I I was getting my house painted recently, and and I was talking to the painter who's not technical at all, and he, he was like, I, he said, "What do you work at? You're you're around the house all the time." I was like, "I work in computer stuff, and I work for my house," and he's like, "Oh, I've got I've got like." Uh, you know crypto and I, he opened up his wallet and he has this like portfolio of stuff and he has i mean some good stuff right he's got some like monero he's got some ethereum but he's got some like nonsense as well and i'm like do you even know what any of these things kind of are and he's like nah nah i just kind of bought them and so this is the problem you got people who who actually fundamentally don't really get it and so to answer your question like like what to me is the essence of why we bother with this stuff um it, it goes back to the kind of the core uh philo philosophical um virtues for me, which are, you know, decentralization is important. And it's important not because the fiat system sucks or because governments are bad or anything like that. It, it just, it's nice to have alongside the traditional financial system, which is obviously excellent. It's nice to have um, a, a, a decentralized 
you know, a uh, network that's really a network of value between its participants, controlled and owned by the users. And so I, I love that idea. Um, also, I love the fact that it's permissionless. I mean, I was just telling my buddy the other day, I wanted to send some money to my parents. My bank won't let me send more than $4,000 in a, in, a, in a day. And it's just like, that's my money. I should be able to send it. And so I don't like the permissioning around the traditional financial system. I'm not saying we shouldn't have laws. I'm not saying you should be allowed money launder and, and send what you like to whoever and all this kind of stuff. I understand it's important to have some rules around finance, of course, or people will end up getting hurt. But, you know, I do like the freedom that like with my Bitcoin or my, my algo, uh, when I send it, I, I choose how much to send. Now, there comes a responsibility with that. But of course, um, it's it, that's a powerful thing. And then finally, I would say um, censorship resistance is also very important. I mean, like, I don't really like the idea that my bank won't let me send money to a person in Russia, as an example. Um, maybe I've got a very close friend there who needs help, and maybe I choose to give him my money or whatever, you know. And so these things for me, like, you know, I don't like other people choosing my political views and, and what I'm, I am and I'm, I'm not allowed to. And so for me, there's a massive freedom uh, in 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 the in the, the space that we work, um, and we're building financial systems that are inclusive, um, and that are to me very important. Um, and it dovetails quite nicely with I think cryptography, which I also gives people freedom. And you know, I know some people think, oh well, you shouldn't have end-to-end -end encryption. There shouldn't be that level of privacy. The police should be able to inspect all messages and everything else. But I, I don't think so. I, I think it's important. Of course, we should have laws, and 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 if if people are found to be breaking them, they should be punished uh, appropriately. Um, because otherwise we'd have complete chaos. But I think it's important that people have privacy. I think it's important that people are able to have private conversations. Um, and, you know, um, this all kind of wraps into one big ball that I'm very excited about because the entire space for me is is just the, the most exciting area of computer science uh, right now, except for maybe the amazing advancements in, in ML and deep learning, which is also very cool. Yeah, okay, S super interesting. Um, I, I think I would probably... Uh, Add to that as well in saying yeah. the, the, the privacy, you know, we've got technology and the privacy itself can be built anywhere we choose to build it. So, sure. you know, you could have a blockchain where everything, where nobody can see anything, right? Which we have like Monero and Zcash and so on. And you, ha you could have blockchains where everybody can see everything that we have as yeah. well. And you can have everything in the middle, right? There could be some things that we want to reveal, something not, or something just to certain parties and something's not, and so on. Yeah. And I think, so, yeah. You know, I think it's, it's very important that we like, uh, have financial due diligence. Like, like I don't mind an, an exchange that I sell. Like, I Kraken. I use Kraken. The exchange. I think it's quite cool. Um, you know, I don't. I don't mind that they know my who I am and they have my passport details. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I trade Monero there, but I'm, I'm okay with with them with them uh, knowing that. You know, so I, I think it's okay to disclose this kind of information. But it's nice. You know, it was my brother who I bang on. I'm always chatting away to him about crypto. So he's got some small position, but he's not. He's not really into it. And so. He called me the other day and he was like, hey, you know, I think with Bitcoin, you can see people's balances. Did you know that? And I'm like, yeah, of course, of course I know that. Um, but, my, it, but the funny thing is, I've been banging on about that for like years with him. We've had this conversation many times and it just kind of clicked with him. Now, he doesn't work in tech. He works in, in finance, stuff, but, he, but he's a smart guy. And so people, I, I, think, I think a lot of people, like you said earlier, they don't even know. I think if you ask the average person, hey, do you know I can see your Bitcoin balance if, if, I, if you send me any and I, I know your address? They don't even realize, you know? So what are the uh, what are the apps that you've seen out there that you think oh this is a uh, this this is the future? Yeah, I think I think it's tricky. Um, I really think 
privacy is super important. So I would like to see more work done on privacy. And so I think, and I know Silvio also believes uh, deeply in, in privacy, of course, uh, within, within the bounds of the law. And so you have you can't just uh, circumvent uh, the law, but he's he cares deeply about it and he's interested in bringing privacy to Algorand. And I think it'd be very exciting uh, to bring some form of privacy to Algorand. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Uh, things like dexes and swaps—they're uh, just like super cool. I think it's—it's it's it's like the first time I did my, you know, my first trades on on, on Tiny Man, um, which is the one that I just came across on Algorand first. Uh, I was like blown away that like I swapped money with an individual out there without involving any centralized party, and that was just like mind blowing. All using this smart contract stuff. Like I know it sounds simple because that's the essence of what we do, and it's like okay, yeah, whatever. Like we've had this for a while, but it still blows my mind when 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 I'm using it. And so I think if you were to layer a little bit of privacy on top, um, maybe even, for example, where you can't, where the bids and the asks or the, the trade between two people is private until they, they finalize it, as an example. So it's not full end privacy, but, but, but privacy during, during the negotiation. I think that could be cool. Um, I'm really into the did stuff, like the decentralized identity. I love the idea of ownership of your own identity. Like I, I was flying from Barcelona last night for the ACE conference, which was a big success. This is the Algorand Centers of Excellence. We've, which is basically teaching Algorand at universities as part of the blockchain component um, with some major universities and some incredible professors uh, who I got to meet. And and so I'm flying back and like, you know, I, this stupid passport thing and like they're inspecting it and like, you know, you're carrying this, this old weird British document around like purple, big purple book. It just doesn't make any sense. That kind of thing. Being able to own my own digital identity where I can have attestations in many different forms. So I have like a did a decentralized ident- identity, you know, um, data blob online that that attests to maybe a whole bunch of different things, not just my nationality and, and my ability to say travel with a passport, but like my criminal status or whatever, or you know, my my my, my membership of a certain club or a certain a certain privilege. And so I like the idea that it can be self-sovereign, that it's owned by me and not by some government somewhere. And so that gets me uh, very interested. And I think we're going to see more DID stuff come out. And then finally, uh, governance I think is very important. And I think um what cardano did with with uh its governance system catalyst and and what we're doing evolving governance on algorand uh, especially around xgovs giving the power for folks to propose uh, proposals to vote on um that is really really important and i think quite empowering especially when folks will be directly then responsible for the distribution of funds to the projects that they support and i think that that's where the foundation should get to uh i.e where we provide the funds and let the community decide uh, with that portion of funds that's dedicated What's to that. Doing? And it's good for us because it, it unburdens us because us making the decision, we're not going to please everyone with when the crowd make the decision, it's up to them to be happy with the decision that they've made. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. How about you? What, what, what do you, th- I mean, I probably, I mean, I know you're, you're into privacy. Definitely. Right. ZK stuff. You like a lot of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the, one of my, um, one of the things that, that really attracted me to the space and I, and I think it's really evolved is just how technically efficient things can become. Sure. So you yeah, talked about, about decentralized exchanges, for example, where people can swap assets through a pool or set of pools that, 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 that are set up on chain. Um, for, for me, if I look at that and I look at, at, um, at lending, which can then be, which is then be easily added to that, you've got something which is super technically efficient. I mean, first of all, you've got you've got delivery versus payment of assets. Yeah, you know, two parties directly with each other. You've got escrowing of funds again without a third party in these pools. 
you've got lending logic, interest payments, investors receiving their interest, borrowers having to pay, liquidations, all of that without anybody running the show, uh, fully automated. And you can do it with counterparts that you don't need to know and trust. It's, right. I, I and think it's absolutely mind-boggling. It is. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I know it's kind of like, you know, like I said, kind of a fundamental, it's kind of, you know, it's taken for granted at this point is what I'm trying to say, but, but, but it actually is incredible. Well, you know, the, the, the focus is actually on the failures, right? Because they make the yeah. news. The focus is, you know, this is a scam over here. There's been a hack over there. Yeah, the, yeah. The, focus, the focus for me is this is incredibly, this is light years ahead of the, of the infrastructure that we have in place for the financial system today. For me to pay you and to buy an asset from you and to have that delivered and the, and, and the paperwork and the disconnection between the payment and the delivery and just that, the very basics, doesn't exist in almost any business transactions that we do today. Yeah. So, so thinking about decentralized finance and how technically efficient that is, how quick and instant and, and, and without the need for, for intermediaries and overhead and so on, it's just, for me, it's just mind boggling. Yeah, and you know, you know the NFT things. Like, I'm not a big NFT collector. Like, I kind of get it, but I'm I'm also not that into art, really. And and so, and so uh, for me, like uh, NFTs are super cool, though, because like they're just a mechanism for digital rights management. And so, I'd love to be able to be at a at a place where an NFT can represent my Steam collection of games that I've got, or um, you know, um, access to a club or a beautiful hotel or a spa, or maybe. Maybe like it's a car key for my Tesla. By the way, I actually don't have a Tesla. Um, I have no car right now. Um, I'm saving up for a Tesla. Uh, but but like let's say like I could send you my car key because I can like ping you over the NFT and now like I've given you my key and I don't have it anymore. And so you can drive the car and I can't. And so there's a lot of power in that. And I think that's really exciting. I think NFTs or just you know representation of ownership. Uh, of some of something, whether it's a physical thing, a real thing, or, or a digital thing, that is around to stay. Um, and also, I love the idea that I could like fractionally invest in in things that are previously off limits to me. Like, for example, maybe a music collection. Maybe I I buy a fraction of a Beatles song or something like that. And and you know, I, I love that idea. And so I think there's a lot more we're going to see in that space, other than just uh, say image collection, which is also cool if you're into it. Um, but I think it, it can go a lot further than, than, than where it is right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, there's some interesting projects that we've been involved in on Algorand uh, with NFT. So we have Aorist, which is the high-end art uh, NFT marketplace, and Opulus, which is the music marketplace. And they have NFTs of, of music rights, and they have a, a DeFi a liquidity pool as well, which is very active for, for funding new artists, musicians, and so That's on. Cool. Uh, so some really interesting things going on uh, with NFTs and Algorand, which I think is great. Yeah. Which which leads me on to the question: uh, As CTO of Algorand, tell me about Algorand. Yeah, I mean Algorand, I think is best in class, and of course I'm going to say that, right? Because uh, you know I'm paid to say it. <laughs> but the um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have left my role in Cardano, which is obviously a, a very uh, prominent project, um, had I not felt that when I was coming, uh, I was going to be a success and, and that, that I was joining a project that was authentic and valuable. And so all the way through um, my crypto career and my, my personal interest in crypto, I've never gotten massively rich. And I think the reason is, is because I buy quality. And, uh, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like I never bought any of the scammy, shitty things that just exploded. Um, you know, I remember Ripple. I'm, uh, and so I'm not a big fan of Ripple. And so my wife bought Ripple. 
And she like made like 64 times her investment. And there I am with uh, Monero uh, as an example. And it's only like up like, you know, uh, 30%. It's still a lot of money, but, you know, it's still, still a great in, in, in percentage terms. But like, I remember like thinking, oh, I, I wish I could buy crap. I wish I could buy. Yeah, you, fo- you followed the tech. You followed the, the, the I substance. To, I do try to follow the substance. But it turns out. It, it feels <laughs> Nobody like- else does. Yeah, but it feels like um, the quality projects sometimes are slower to to, to appreciate than, than than some of the scams. But uh, I can tell you from a technical well, I know you know because you're hyper technical. But from a technical point of view, Algorand is best in class. Like the distributed systems engineering, um, the quality of the code. Uh, we have our bug rewards program. Uh, it's been ongoing, so anyone can can get paid uh, up to millions of dollars if they submit critical bugs. And we've only had a handful of of, of um, of things come up and of them only one was, was moderate so you know it's it really is strong engineering strong code we have a world-class team uh who are building this, this this project the applied cryptography so the application of the cryptographic primitives um is 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 second to none i mean uh the signature schemes we use are are, are best in class the post-quantum primitives that we've just rolled out with, with falcon and state proofs uh, to to do interoperability and, and also fast catch-up and other things like that um are literally uh, the bleeding edge of, of, of cryptography. And so we have people who fundamentally understand these things. They understand how, why it's why you can build a, a cryptographic hardness using uh, an n-dimensional lattice. These are some of the smartest people in the world. And so the team is so capable and so competent that what they're building is genuinely uh, a work of art in terms of software. And so... If you add that to guys like Silvio, uh, who of course invented the VRF primitive, which which is the basis of consensus, you know, Algorand, it just checks so many boxes, dude. Like it's it's super green. Um, like I said before, I calculated that mainnet is running at about eighty kilowatts or so. I mean, that's like charging that's like charging a Tesla. I mean, running the entire network, billions of transactions, um, wow. potentially billions of dollars in value, completely so- self sovereign, and it's 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 like charging a Tesla. That that is very acceptable a cost in energy, in my view. Um, the the speed at which it operates, um, the finality, right? So you don't have to deal with block height battles. You, you'll know from Ethereum, you've done plenty of work on it. I know, uh, you know, if your transaction is rolled back because there's a block height battle where you've got like a short fork and then and then it, it, one, one head dies or one chain dies, you got to resubmit. You got to manage mm-hmm. nonces. You, you know the nonce thing with Ethereum, of course, with the transaction. It's a pain in the butt. Like um, I think Algorand from 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 an an infrastructural point of view, from a UX user experience point of view, is maybe one of the best blockchains in the world. I think it is potentially the best right now in terms of technology. Where, and so where, so when, why then are we number 28, 29, 30 in the rankings rather than number eight like Cardano or number six like whatever, one of those other ones? And the answer is, I think uh, we need more awareness we need to grow and and and, and like you know because cardano has charles solana has has anatoly or whatever you know they, 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 i'm trying to get the message out there i'm trying to bring awareness and get into the zeitgeist like make people excited about algorithm because i think a lot of folks just don't are not aware of how great it is i wasn't aware until i started uh, deeply looking at it during my interview process as i've as i've mentioned and when i seen how great it was i was like this thing is fit for purpose this thing is ready for prime time and i can make this thing a huge success and um, working with the team and so so yeah, I just think that uh, Algorand it really is the I like I don't I don't like maximalism. I, I'm not a maximalist type guy. I try to <laughs> I try to not be too hypey about things, but like on paper it is killer. And so 
getting the dev experience to be better with AlgoKit, which is this thing I'm working on, which basically maybe maybe not needed for really advanced users like yourself, Adi, and your team, because you're you're, you're, you're you you guys are, are expert level. But for folks who are new to the platform, you know, it's not that easy to just jump into PyTeal or Teal. It, and and so these these people uh, they needed they needed to be a good experience. They needed to be like using their computer. It needs to be enjoyable. And so. We're we're very close to launching our beta on, on AlgoKit. I think Monday Monday is probably we're going to publicly announce it or publicly release it. Some of the repos are already open. We're just polishing off last bits, and you'll be able to take your Mac, open Terminal, use Homebrew or Pip to install. It's a one line install, and you have a complete environment, everything you need to build, templating the whole lot, and it's going to be so much easier for people. It's going to have great documentation, and so you know, getting into the zeitgeist as I said before, becoming like on everyone's on the tip of everyone's tongue, uh, that is where we need to take Algorand next. So, so, and and so the, the two things is I think getting the message out there, and I'm trying to do that. When thank you for this opportunity to speak with you, it's another example of getting the message out. And second thing, getting the developer experience to be as fun and easy as it is on on something like Ethereum, and that's something that we're directly addressing and will for 2023. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. I mean, we I can tell you we've first of all I can second a lot of what you said. Um, from our experience, uh, we, we the, the the two things we've really loved about working with Algorand is that the tech has just worked. Uh, we've never had any issues, and we can't say that about all the platforms that we've been working with. Sure. Um, and it's been it's been it's been top end. Uh, and the second thing is the people. Uh, okay. Yeah. One after one, just amazing. Uh, you know, top people in the space. Uh, yeah, I think really, honestly, really it's great. a privilege to work with some of these these guys. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, they're just incredible. Like, um, uh, you know, some of these people. I, I had breakfast with some of them the other day in, in, in the ACE conference, and I'm sitting around a table, and there's people who've like contributed to like the VRF, contributed to like non-determinism, contributed to like how we test for prime numbers. You know, it's just yeah. an incredible array of of capable people. Yeah, so I think the people speak to the tech, but I also, I also think that they just speak to the organization itself and the way it works and the mission and the way people do go about things as well. Yeah. Uh, because I think there, you know, there, there are projects in our space where it's one big party and there's others where they're, they're sitting down and doing the work. Right? Sure. And, and this is definitely one of those where they're sitting down doing the work. Yeah, but sometimes I think, so I agree with you, uh, but sometimes I think, you know, uh, you can be, if you sit down and do the work, but no one knows about it, yeah. I think that that's that's a problem, and then you might people might say, well, you know, you do we do some advertising, and we have done like uh, sponsorships of Formula E and 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 you know the ra racing, and, and and so I'm not saying that the message isn't out there in some way, but I think more important than that kind of advertising. This is my I, I've got no idea about advertising, by the way. I should caveat that, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But to my mind, we're not two marketing guys, are we? That's yeah, nice. we're not two marketing guys. But to my mind, like I want to get grassroots excitement going, right? It's like that's where it is. It's like people who are passionate, grassroots. It's not for me about having a dude who's watching a sailing event on TV, having a glass of wine, and then he's like, oh, I wonder what that logo is. And he Googles it and then buys it. That's not the way forward. I think it's more uh, important to just build community, build people excited, explain this to people, make it easy, make it accessible, and then it will grow naturally because it's, it's an awesome project. Yeah, yeah, I, t I totally agree. I think I think it's the right thing. It's, it, I mean, it's the way I when I started in the space. That's how I discovered Ethereum. I installed it, played with it, and so on. And I think that that's really what you want. Technologies just want new toys to play with, and and, and it goes from there. And uh, and I think you want to put it in their hands. Totally. Um, what do you think about? I mean, the let's say the challenges of the space in general, because um, you know we both of us have been in this in, in the space for a while. 
it's a roller coaster. There's a yeah. lot. There's a, there's a lot. Of, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy circus in terms of things going on around us. Yeah. And we obviously look at the tech, and that's the thing that that we think is super interesting here. Um, but what do you think the main challenges are now? Um, maybe the main opportunities, and and also what are we looking at in five or ten years in your in in your view? Yeah, it's a good 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 question. And so, I think probably the the biggest thing is legitimacy. I think like like events like what happened with FTX and 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 other things that they they just damage the credibility of the space. But like an idea as powerful as this, as, as of the virtues I mentioned earlier on, can't be put back in the box. It's not like we're going to go back to a world where, oh, you know, forget about that decentralized digital assets that are like internet native and super cool and can do all this cool stuff. We'll just stick with the euro. I mean, it's that we're not going to go back. I just don't think it's going to happen. So a bit like the internet in, in like the 90s. I remember getting the internet, my parents were like, oh, that's just for porn. You know, that was the perception of the internet in the 90s. It was for porn. And so and certainly, gambling. and gambling, yeah. And so like people didn't have any idea how it would change business globally, how it would um, empower people to get them, um, to get a story out, to to have live uh, games broadcast, like sporting games broadcast, to watch all your movies, to consume all your media, to interact with people all over. Like, you know, people just didn't see those things. And so I think it's a similar case here. I think the, the internet um, allowed people, it, it empowered small, small businesses and put them on a global, on a global roadmap and, and, and basically gave a voice to people, gave a, a channel to people who, who previously didn't have it. And so it connected the entire globe, of course. And so for me, Web3 or crypto or whatever you want to call it, this decentralized platforms that we're building, uh, they will do the same thing for disintermediation. They will basically remove the middleman. They'll make things cheaper, more efficient, and more available, more inclusive. Uh, and that is a hell of a powerful thing. And so I think uh, I don't have actually the, the foresight to kind of see what's going to come down the same way I did in, in the 90s. I knew the internet was cool. I wanted to play Counter-Strike uh, with my friends uh, on a Friday night, but I couldn't see foresee like, with the ubiquity that it's become now, where it's basically everything from our communication to how we book flights to how we order our food. And so, and so like, I think it's going to be similar with Web3. I think you're going to see things that we can't even imagine now. Um, in terms of where I think things are going to go, I think in the next five to 10 years, the market capitalization uh, of the space. So the value of all the cryptocurrencies, if you add it all up in terms of dollars, it's, I don't know what it is now, I haven't looked at it, but maybe it's 700 million or something like, or 700 billion or something. Let's have a little, little look real quick. Yeah, okay, it's 900 billion. Okay, so just under a trillion dollars. I mean, to put that in perspective, you know, Exxon Mobil is probably like half a half a trillion dollars. You know, Apple is, I don't know what it is now, maybe $2 trillion or whatever. So like, mm -hmm. you know, the, all the crypto is basically just one big company uh, out there. And so I think that we're going to see an explosion like we did with derivatives in, in the 80s uh, of the value of the crypto space. And so I do think the volatility will, will die down as, as, as the market cap grows because it just becomes a bigger ocean of money. And I think, and again, I'm, I'm not a, an economist, but I, I would guess that it will be up there with a precious metal. Uh, like if you take the precious metals, you look, you break them down by category. If you take all the gold in the world, it's worth about $11 trillion for all the gold in the world. And so I would think, by the way, in silver and tin and lead, and there's all these different precious metals and they all have a big market capitalization. And so I would expect to see crypto somewhere between uh, eight to ten trillion dollars. I mean, that would be my guess that it would balloon to the to the value of something like a precious metal like gold, which I see it as a, a similar category. Um, 
And so that's my expectation. My expectation is that we will see huge innovation, uh, applications that we can't even envisage now, and importance. I think we're going to see it become, just like the internet's very important. If that went down today, we're all, I can't do my work. Uh, and so we're going to see an importance uh, around this, these, these, these assets that we're building. These but platforms. do you have an idea of what they're going to be used for to, to, to give them that value? Well, so I think that they're going to be com networks of people. Uh, it, they're basically, in, in many ways, they're similar, in my view, to social networks. They're, they're networks of value. They're networks of relationships between people. And so I think we're going to see um, uh, Algorand and it's it's like and similar high quality projects become uh, the infrastructure that people use not only to transfer value between each other but also uh, nearly to communicate, nearly to um, you know to coordinate relationships. And what I mean by that is it, they'll become so intrinsic and so so so, so um, natively important to our relationships between each other uh, that we will we will see these these networks not anymore necessarily as just like coins we move around, but instead um, as our entire system of value transfer be between each other. And so I, I really do think that we're going to see these things maybe blossom in, in ways that I, I can't speculate to now. Um, but I, 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 it has the same feel to me that the internet had in, in, in the 90s. Yeah. Interesting. I think there's a, there's a time dimension here which is very, very difficult in innovation. Right, you, you alluded to it with the internet, right? You went through the '90s, and and there were spurts, you know, the dot-com boom, and suddenly it went crazy, and then we and then and then bust again. And what were people really using it for then? Sure, could could they have envisaged all that commerce and B two B and Netflix and so on? Yeah, um, I, I think, and, and we see something similar with AI. Right, AI, as far as I'm concerned, has been around since I was at university in the early '90s. Uh -huh. it, it, the principles haven't changed that much, but it's taken a long time for value to come through. Sure, right? and, you, and, and then you get these moments. Like ChatGPT is a moment, right? Suddenly yes. something comes out, and you know, you, step change, step change, step change, game changer. Yeah, and 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 I think that here you've got something which is which is like that, but it's also a group sport, right? It's not something you can do on your own like AI, yeah. it, and it's and it involves value, which means it's going to attract every scammer, right? <laughs> every, every everyone who wants to to, to do a scam to steal something. This is, you know, this is technology plus value. You, know, you can just have a go. So, so I think oh, you've got all those extra challenges. And, of course, the regulation that, that then attracts as well. Yeah. So it's not just the technology which takes time to proliferate and to evolve uh, as it has done in the others, but you have to add these other dimensions of difficulty as well. I totally which, agree. Which and to me I, says we've hardly started. I totally agree. And, and, by the way, I know exactly what you mean in terms of the AI. Like, ChatGPT is a moment. It's a watershed for AI, and so my, you know, my brother-in-law works at, uh, at a senior level in machine learning, and so I have a, I, it's a hobby for me. I, I, I enjoy, I follow the space, and like he was demoing things the other day where uh, a movie can run. So like you have a movie, and you can hot swap the ads in the movie using, using like using machine learning to basically or neural networks to basically re replace the billboards with appropriate ads. So we're going to see a time when like you'll go to a movie. And like the ads will change in the, like, you know, the product placement will change in the movie predicated on what's appropriate at the time. And like, you know, that's crazy stuff. When I seen stable diffusion for the first time and you can type a sentence in and hit enter and offline using nothing but a, bunch, a neural network of numbers, because that's what you look inside. It's just a bunch of floating point numbers. Um, it's able to draw anything the same way I could say to you, Hey, picture a cat. Now picture that cat wearing, wearing boots. 
Now picture him, you know, holding a fish. You can do it because you know what those concepts are and your brain's able to put them together. And that's what we've created with stable diffusion. It's effectively able to bring concepts like that together. It's incredible. And so what's come out in this last six months in terms of AI has now, I think, uh, caught the world off guard. People didn't realize that this, and so it's like, are we on this knee of the curve, Ray Kurzweil style, style where, you know, he's a futurist who predicts like, you know, we're going to see things go from like this, like, like, and so very quickly things uh, could change fast. And so, yeah, I think it's, that, that, and I, th I think that's a confusing thing when you look at blockchain as well, because on the one hand, there, there's a lot of money that's gone in. There's sure. a lot of projects, a lot of innovation happened very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and you've also got these spurts of activity. So the NFTs and, and yeah. the NFT marketplaces, DeFi. Um, but it's very easy to look at that and say and, and think that's it. it you know, it's, it's kind of it, it is where it is. And, and that's all we're going to see from it. From the naysayers, but, but the, the the other the other side of it would be, you know, it hasn't even. This is just the beginning, right? That that the DeFi that we have at the moment is like basic Lego bricks, yeah. And there are all these other challenges that we still need to solve. But if you look at the technology and the technical efficiency, if you went to any computer scientist and you asked them what's the most technically efficient way to exchange value, I don't think there is a more efficient way to do that than to do it through blockchain today. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's 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 quite literally generally more fun to and more and, and and more better user experience for me sending money via crypto, which I do regularly, than it is using my own bank in Ireland. And and and, and it's faster and better. And so, I totally agree. Also, you know, one last thing I would say is that over the next five to ten years, I do think we're probably going to see the emergence of of, of quantum capable machines, uh, as in uh, you know quantum computers that can run. Quantum algorithms like Grover's algorithm for for, symmet for, uh, for symmetric attacks and Shor's algorithm for for, for asymmetric uh, or breaking the discrete log, and like it, it used to be this thing you'd say and like you kind of half believe it might happen, but who knows? Whereas what we're seeing in some of the, the emergent papers that are coming out, both in mathematical techniques and in approaches to um, building stable quantum computers um, that have a larger and larger number of qubits, and of course. This basically means the power of the computer grows. Its ability to factor larger numbers grows. Like this, I feel it's coming. It's really coming fast. And so that's going to be a very interesting space. Like that, that five to 10 year window definitely for me is probably going to be the border around seeing the first uh, quantum machine that's able to attack. And so blockchains that don't have like strong engineering, yeah. they're going to have big, big deal, a big problem dealing with this thing. Yeah. yeah. And so Algorand is in, is in prime position on that because we have some of the smartest minds in the post quantum space. And, and so, that is a big bonus. Yeah, very cool, John. Before we go, um, are there any is there are there any books you'd recommend? Is there a book you've read recently that maybe you could share with listeners? Absolutely. So um, uh, it's a techie book. So I read uh, "Serious Cryptography" uh, by Jean Philippe <laughs> Amason. Um, that, that sounds as techie as it gets. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's an exceptional <laughs> book because it actually brings you through the entire journey from the basics of, of cryptography all the way through uh, hashing functions, all the different primitives, all the way to modern um, post-quantum stuff. And so, and it's very accessible, as in like, it, it's not overly mathematical, it's not overly technical. Um, it's reasonably technical, but not overly technical. And so, Serious Cryptography by Jean-Philippe Amasson is my, is my book of the day. Okay, amazing. Uh, and is there anything else you want to share uh, before, we, before we go? Um, I guess, you know, I just, I'm excited for what we're going to do in 2023. It feels like 2023 is going to be, uh, maybe this is a little bit hippy dippy, but if I have, I have, a, there's an energy in the air. I'm excited about it. 
and you know, just hang in there. I think um, I'm very focused, and the team are very focused on ensuring the success of Algorand. We think it's an incredible pro- product, uh, an incredible blockchain platform. We think it's best in class, and we have some very exciting things coming out. We're working on the decentralization. We're going to be working on making the relays even more decentralized. They're good, but we need to do better. Um, we're going to make the user experience a hell of a lot better. And I'm hopeful that this will all result in appreciation of the platform, the value of the platform, and indeed adoption. Yeah, amazing. John Woods, CTO of Algorand. Thank you very much for joining our first podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, Addy. And I'd love to be back on sometime. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Applied Blockchain Podcast. Make sure you follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for more updates. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please let us know by leaving a review and clicking subscribe. Until next time.